Welcome to the Blood Cancer Experience, a podcast hosted by the Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Canada. This podcast connects people affected by blood cancer to resources that support, inform, educate, and empower. When it comes to cancer, it's hard to know, and there are no easy answers. We're here to bring you the information that you need to help make sense of every step of your blood cancer experience. My name is Megan Norrish, and I'm the Community Service Manager here in BC, in the Yukon region for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. Today on the show, I'm talking with a colleague who is living with chronic myeloid leukemia, or CML. Thank you so much, Al, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with CML. Well, um, there's long stories and short stories. I was diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia just over three years ago uh, when I was just approaching retirement, and it came as quite a shock. Uh, but you you really learn to live with it and live well with it. Um, I actually consider myself lucky <laughs> to have a, a chronic stage blood cancer. Uh, rather than an acute stage one. Well, I think it's important for people that are first diagnosed with it that they need to learn as much as possible about it as quickly as possible. And it's quite frightening when you first get diagnosed with a cancer. The word cancer is very scary. Um, and it's, it's something that you have to digest and understand that a chronic stage uh, CML type blood cancer is quite manageable, but it takes a while to get to that point where you realize that it is manageable and you can actually get on with your life and live a a very fulsome life and not worry too much about it on a day-to-day basis. How long did it take for you to get to that place where you feel like your disease was manageable? Um, it's an interesting point because it, um, when I was first diagnosed, it was, uh, very early. Uh, my hematologist actually gave a lot of credit to my family physician for finding it because I was suffering from fatigue, uh, being tired all the time. Uh, you know, I'm very active in sports, skiing, cycling, tennis, hiking, and you basically get to a point where it's very, very tiring. And he noticed my uh, white blood cell count was climbing. And there wasn't really a reason for it. I wasn't fighting an infection or anything. And He was smart enough to actually do a, a molecular blood test and find the CML chromosome. And then referred me to a hematologist. So in terms of a timeline, it was quite a shock to find out that I had a blood cancer to start. But it's, and it is really, really hard to deal with because it's, you know, why me? How did I get it? How long am I going to live? Those types of questions come to your mind. And it's, when I met with the hematologist, uh, he basically was pretty casual about it actually because he said well look all you have to do is take a pill every day for the rest of your life and you'll live till 90 so you shouldn't worry about it at which point I started doing more research on what 
MS in their biz and found out that it is very effective in treating chronic myeloid leukemia. And I guess it, it really took about three months to get to a stage where you have your next blood test and you find positive results in that the white blood cell count is going back down. So that's when you start to, I think that's when you really start to realize that it is under control. I mean, there's always the concern that it's going to spike back up again, but um, as long as it stays down and you just keep managing that, uh, and the medication does that for you, you can really get on and live a fulsome, active life, just as you were before you were diagnosed, without feeling all the fatigue or tiredness or anything like that. So it, it, it's not an overnight thing. It takes time and a confidence in the system of all these really smart people in the world that develop these drugs uh, to keep this in check. I think that is a really important thing for people to remember too, that it does take time, but it can also happen. I, I think that's the really important thing that, you know, you're, you go through a lot of anxiety and the biggest thing that, you know, I've learned in my business career is that uncertainty creates stress. Um, it's a very simple fact. And when you're first going through it, there's a great deal of uncertainty. So it creates stress and anxiety. And you just have to be as positive as possible and believe in the hematologists and the doctors and the, the folks at Cancer Society. Uh, and the LLSC that they know what they're talking about and you can actually believe what the material says that it is manageable and it will become manageable and once you get those sort of more positive feedback on the results of the medication then it all sort of calms down and the uncertainty starts to go away the anxiety starts to go away and the stress really starts to go away. <laughs> well, that's really good to hear. And I think a lot of people will feel better knowing that it does dissipate after a while. What would you have liked to have known at your first CML appointment? You know, it, it, it's a very good question. What would I have liked to have known? Because hindsight's a wonderful tool. At the time, your mind is racing. And I think, uh, some basic facts about um, what it is, how it happened, you know, the, the why me concept. And with those answers really unknown, there's, there's nothing that you can know that caused it. It's just one of the, the luck of the draw. Um, I think more information at the time about what it is, how it happened, um, why it affects your white blood cell count, uh, how they become cancerous, how this medication re-regulates your white blood cell production to a point where it's back to normal. So you don't have immature white blood cells becoming cancerous. So, you know, you, you, you can't find that out in the first meeting where you're first diagnosed. 
So I think what you need to have at your disposal is uh, fact sheets and just basic information about what it is, how it affects your body, and how this medication brings it back under control. So when you have a problem, problem solving is really simple. You define the problem and then look at the alternatives, measure the alternatives and come up with a solution. Unfortunately, somebody's already done that for you, that you just need to better understand the problem and the solution is at hand. You just have to have faith in that solution that yes, it works. There's data that shows that it works. You're, you're going to get better and you're going to get back to a normal life. That's really good advice. For many patients or survivors, there's a bit of delay sometimes when they're diagnosed to when they're getting information about treatment recommendations. When you spoke with your doctor and when they were determining the treatment type for you, was there a delay? If so, how was that experience for you? Um, there was really no delay per se. I mean, I went to see the hematologist. He, he basically did a, a very quick rundown of what I have and said, there's a pill for it. And I'll get your prescription sent over where you want to pick it up. And you start taking these pills. I was on the medication, I think within 10 days. Um, and he basically, you, you need comfort in knowing that that a chronic myeloid leukemia does not accelerate as quickly as some other cancers. So because it's chronic and it grows slowly over time and different rates for different people, but generally fairly slowly, that sort of week to 10 day delay or two week delay to get on the medication wasn't, shouldn't be a concern for anybody. Uh, I don't, if you're first diagnosed with CML, I don't think there's a long delay to get on medication. Uh, I was taking my imatinib, I think within 10 days of seeing the hematologist. And then three months later, I had a, uh, a positive results on my white blood cell count blood test. And basically it proves out the hypothesis that the hematologist knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Did you experience any treatment side effects when you started the imatinib? And if so, how did you manage them? Yes, I did experience some side effects. Um, you know, you can go online and read about um, maybe 15 or so potential side effects, but they have to, uh, my understanding is they have to list everything that is potential. Uh, for me, there was really only two significant side effects and one was um, uh, cramps, muscle cramps, which is primarily in the legs and feet and hands, um, and also puffiness around your eyes. And I could uh, easily deal with the puffiness around my eyes based on my age. But uh, the cramps, basically, they do calm down. I ended up taking more uh, magnesium to help that. Uh, so the, the cramps calm down after a while. And even the puffiness around the eyes dissipates after a while. It's not completely gone, but it's totally manageable. I mean, there's lots of other things that could be worse. So you, you, 
you know, basically be grateful for what you have because it's, I've learned over the years that chronic is a good thing. So I, you can deal with that in ways that are pretty normal and they don't cause much anxiety or, uh, or stress. Well, that's good to hear and I'm glad that you're managing well. How did your family and friends support you during the diagnosis experience and now afterwards? Well, I think that for, for me, I mean, everybody's going to deal with this differently. And um, bringing your family in to the conversation earlier for a lot of people is, is better. Uh, for me, I chose to do it slightly differently. My wife and I are, were fully aware of of my diagnosis and my prognosis and I decided that I would go through the first three months of medication and have a hopefully have a positive story to be able to tell the rest of my family which I did so I delayed the inclusion of my two adult sons until that three-month mark where I could explain to them what I have, what the treatment is, and yes, it's effective. So it goes back to, you know, having support from your family is a wonderful thing, but you have to be careful that you don't want to create a great deal of uncertainty or stress for them. So in my situation, I chose that kind of route to tell them about my diagnosis and tell them about the, my positive test results after three months so that that would reduce their stress level and their anxiety because the, a lot of uncertainty would be taken out of the equation. As parents, you always want to protect them. And so I think it's good to note that, yeah, it might not work for everyone, but it's important that every family makes a decision that's right for them. Uh, I think each individual has to weigh their own situation as to when to bring their immediate family into it. Because one of the concerns I had was, you know, basically telling my two boys that I had blood cancer, I am going to take medication and it should work, but there's no certainty that it will work. So I chose to take a different route and wait till it proved itself to work. And then I brought them into the conversation and reduced that uncertainty for them. That's exactly right. There's no right way or wrong way. Just what's best for you and your family. That's right. I mean, there's, there's no, everybody's going to have to deal with this differently. Um, there's different family dynamics. Um, you really have to understand that going into the first sort of phase of treatment and getting your your medication and getting on your medication, it really needs to be seen as a really positive step to solving a problem because it does work, it works well, and the odds of working for any individual are very, very high. So you have to go into it with that confidence that it's gonna work for me. What information or support have you received during the whole experience? And was it helpful for you? What information did I receive? I think um, it's really important that 
you get as much information as possible, as early as possible, and focus on the positive side of it, the information, in, instead of the potentially unnerving, uh, you know, survival rates, if you will. You can you can see a glass half full or a glass half empty, but the survival rates that are published, I think, are based on uh, a lot of historical data, and the newer medications are actually getting better and better. So the survival rates are getting better and better. And I think the the information that you need to have when you first get diagnosed is not to focus on what the survival rates are, which in fact are over 90%, but still someone could say, hey, 10% is not a, it's a pretty high risk number, but you've probably got a 10% chance of dying in a car accident. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's so many factors that play into it. The information that's available on the leukemia website uh, is, is very, very effective in terms of explaining what it is, how it happened, and how it's treated, and how people get through this and get back to a normal life. So I, I think that kind of information exists and is readily available. Wonderful. I'm glad you found that information helpful. What would you say to someone, or what would you have said to yourself when you were first diagnosed with CML? Well, the first question I asked myself was, how long am I going to live? <laughs> because when you hear the word cancer, it's like, um, it's frightening. It's very, very, very frightening when you hear the word cancer, because all you hear about is people dying of cancer. Um, and it takes a while to get over that shock of hearing that word. And then you have to really focus on, okay, what kind of cancer do I have? And what am I going to do about it? What are the, what can I do about it to stop worrying about how long I'm going to live and how well I'm going to live with it? And I think that's a very tough uh, emotional change of pace, if you will, to go from uh, 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 sort of get knocked on the floor and get yourself back up off the floor kind of concept. And, you know, you really just have to focus on getting back up off the floor when you hear the word cancer and understand that there's a lot of cancers, especially CML, that are totally manageable. Things that you might not have known about before you were diagnosed, that, that there's so many different types of cancer where there's been so much great research and so much great drug development that you can live well with CML. I think it's great to hear that you were able to pick yourself back up. And I think that's really good for all of us to hear that that will happen for other people as well. It does happen. You know, it, it, it is a shock, but it happens. People, you know, anybody that's diagnosed with CML should be very, very optimistic about living a good, fulsome life. And because the medications exist to allow you to do that, and, you know, it's just, um, as my, my doctor said, 
you don't have to worry about it because you'll be dying from something else. <laughs> it sounds a little crass, but um, the CML can be brought under control. Fortunately, mine is brought under control. Um, and there are certain milestones you can look forward to to get to that point where you uh, achieve uh, what's called a major molecular response, which is basically reducing your white blood cell counts back to complete normal and then getting a um, uh, different types of results that reduce the actual amount of CML chromosomes that are in your system to a point where they're so negligible that they're hardly even measurable. So it's, it's, it's a testament to the research that was done 20 years ago by Dr. Drucker, who found this treatment for CML. Um, and it's interesting, many people will do research. I went right back to the beginning and found uh, stories about Dr. Drucker and how he actually got the, the drug approved and got it into circulation very, very quickly. Yeah, the treatments for CML have come so far in the last 15 years. It's amazing. And there's lots of hope for people who are being diagnosed now. Yeah, and the other thing to note, too, that's important is that there, there are three different levels of medication that you can take for CML that even if the first level, the imatinib, isn't as effective as it should be or is expected to be, there's another second level of medication that's even stronger and more effective. Uh, and then there's also a third level. So don't be distraught if your first level of treatment isn't working as well as it should because there's other things available that are even stronger. It's not putting all your chips on one drug. It's basically that's the first line of defense for CML. It's the go-to option, and it works very, very well in many, many people. Uh, but if it doesn't work for you, then there's another level of medication, another drug uh, that is a, a little bit stronger and more effective. How has your life changed since your CML diagnosis, and have you gained anything from this experience? I think you're... Your life changes um, basically, you know, just living with it and understanding that. I know it sounds blase, but you have to get to a point where this is no big deal um, because you take your medication every day and you get on with your life. You go do your exercise, you go to work, you, you have your social interactions. Maybe not so much now with COVID, but, um, you know, you just basically get on with your life as, as, it, as you would if you didn't have CML. You, you know, I got on with my life back to playing tennis, playing golf, bicycling, traveling. Um, you just basically get on with your life. And one of the little anecdotal pieces that I'll add is, uh, when I was a kid growing up, I used to buy these rolls of Lifesavers, uh, little sugar candies. I'm sure a lot of people are aware of Lifesavers. So that's what I've named my medication. 
So every morning I get up and I have my lifesaver. Having my lifesaver every day is a reminder that it's saving my life. So I have to have it. So that part is sort of a, a change in your life because you have to have it. But there's you know lots of other people in this world that have to have medication every day. It's no big deal. It's for, you just look at it that way. It's no big deal. I just take it and it works and you get on with the life. I think the most important thing is every day you just want to live your life to the fullest and enjoy it. See if you can help somebody else who has it. That is maybe somebody else that's not quite as fortunate as I am that, you know, I, I consider myself lucky to have CML. It could be a lot worse. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Is there anything else you would like to add? You know, everybody's got their own story. Everybody's got their own challenges. Everybody's got their own sort of family dynamics, social dynamics. And I think each person has to approach it in the most positive way that acknowledges that how much work has been done in the field and how much is continuing to be done in the field. And don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions. Reach out to the LLSC, uh, reach out to your hematologist, your family physician, get as much information as you can and be aware of what's going on in your body so that you know you can deal with it and be confident that you can deal with it. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience with us today. If you have any questions about CML or need support to navigate your experience, I encourage you to connect with a community services manager in your region. You can visit llscanada.org to connect with us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Blood Cancer Experience podcast series by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. You can find us wherever you access your favorite podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you have an idea for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your comments or suggestions to canadainfo at lls.org. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada is dedicated to funding cutting-edge research and supporting people affected by blood cancers. To learn more and access resources including fact sheets, booklets, and webcasts, visit llscanada.org.